today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Our words need to be seasoned with grace. The way we talk to other people, not talking down to them, not being hurtful toward them, not fancying ourselves as being better than them, thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. That's usually where it's birthed, and that's always the source. When you peel back all the layers, that's what you'll find. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. When you interact with others, do you see them as God's creation and treat them as such? Or if they're in the way of your happiness, are you free to treat them as you see best? Today in his message, Pastor J.D. will encourage you to use grace, humility, and respect in your interactions with others. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 58 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. The importance of how we treat other people has a profound impact on our praying and fasting. God takes notice with how it is that we treat others. What do we do when we see somebody in need? Do we say to them, like James says, be warm, be well fed? (laughs) Hey, we'll do lunch sometimes. Really? Hmm. And you wonder why God is not responding to you when you're not responding to them? Don't you know that when you respond to them, it's as if you're doing that as unto the Lord? When you, when you see somebody naked, you, you, you cover them up. When you see somebody that's hungry, you give them bread. When you see somebody that's downcast and cast out, you bring them in, show them hospitality. One more thing on this. I think about it from a, a parental aspect. Uh, stay with me, I'll try to be as brief and concise and clear as I possibly can. How do you feel when your kids fight with each other or mistreat each other? Does, does it not tear you apart? Does it not rip your heart to shreds? When my two boys were young, they used to fight all the time. And I used to pray and fast, by the way. I can tell you now, because that was a long time ago. (laughs) I did comb my hair. I had more hair to comb then. But I would pray and fast, God, please, I just, I love them so much, and they're just going at each other all the time. It's killing me. I can't take it. And it's almost like our Heavenly Father saying, welcome to my world. How do you think I feel on an infinitely larger scale? You're just getting a taste of what I go through when I see my children at each other's throats. Is it any wonder? One more thing (laughs) on this before we move on, and this is important. Please hear me out again. 
Is it any wonder that when the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, starts the grocery list, you know what I'm talking about? You know, where he starts listing all of the sins, and those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, and you know, put off the deeds of darkness, and then he'll list them. Or writing to the Galatians, he wrote up to the Corinthians, the Romans. I mean, virtually every single epistle, you got a grocery list from the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit. And in that list you have things like murder, sexual immorality, and then all of a sudden, it's almost at first read out of place, gossiping, slandering. Wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that gossiping and slandering rises to the level of being on the same list as murder? Yeah, in fact, Jesus said, Matthew 5, when you hate somebody, you're committing murder in your heart. You're assassinating them. I think of what he wrote to the Galatians. You better stop. You keep doing what you're doing. You keep devouring and gossiping and backbiting and fighting with each other. You're going to destroy each other. It's just a matter of time. You better stop. How we treat others. Have you ever connected those dots that your prayer life can be hindered by virtue of how you treat people? That's what Isaiah is saying here. That's the loud voice, like the sound of a trumpet. Verse 9, then, key word, hang on to it. We're going to come back to it. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and He will say, here I am, if, key word again, you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, look at this list, and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. Wow. Did you catch that? This is what I like to refer to as the if I then he of God's word. In other words, if I, number one, take away the yoke from my midst. Number two, stop pointing the finger of blame. You're blaming everybody but the one who's to blame, you. Stop doing that. If, 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 big if. Conditional, right? This is one of those conditional promises in God's Word. The Word of God is replete with them. God promises to answer and hearken unto the voice of our cry, if, if we do this, then He will respond. Stop blaming everyone for all your problems. How Adam is that? How Eve is that? I cannot get over when (laughs) they disobeyed God, ate from the tree, were deceived by the serpent, and then God approaches them, and what is their response? 
Well, first, Adam, it's the woman you gave me. It's her fault. Points the finger of of blame at the woman. So what's Eve's? Oh, she, she points the finger of blame actually at God vis-a-vis the serpent. Because she says, oh, it's because of the serpent that you put in the garden. It's your fault. Had you not put the serpent in the garden, this would have never happened, God. So, hey, wash my hands of this. You're the one to blame. No, my wife's the one to blame. No, my husband's the one to blame. Now nah, the devil made me do it. Remember that one? The devil cannot make you do anything. Well, he can tempt you, but we fully cooperate with him. <laughs> How about speaking wickedness? Here it is again. Do we dare expound on this a little bit? This is the no less than third time, maybe it's been more, but I I know I've counted three times where the word wickedness is used to describe what they were doing. The fist of wickedness, was this physically abusing people with the fist of wickedness? Maybe. How about speaking wickedness? Sometimes the verbal abuse can be worse than the physical. You know that saying of old, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me? Is that how it goes? What a lie. It should be more like this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can absolutely devastate me. In some cases, I would almost rather have the physical than the verbal. You can just cut somebody to shreds with that ugly, again, James talks about the tongue, the same tongue that we so beautifully worship the Lord with. Jesus, precious Lord, send your Holy Spirit. (laughs) And then we'll leave here, and on the way home somebody will cut us off. You jerk! Wow! That's the same tongue you just got done praising God with. How about that? Speaking wickedness. Oh, be very careful with what you say. Speaking wickedness. Um, Maybe just one more comment on this, since it seems to be the common theme and thread woven throughout the fabric of this chapter. How we talk to others. Is there a bite in our tone in our words. You know, because a lot of times it's not so much what we say, it's how we say what we say. Example, I can say to my brother Leitu, Leitu, you're such a jerk. (laughs) Or I can say to my brother Leitu, Leitu, you're such a jerk. You're not, but I'm just, you get the illustration here, right? You see the difference? I said the same exact words, but I said them in a certain way. Biting and cutting, and with the intent to injure and hurt. It's a deliberate intent 
to cause hurt and injury and harm. Our words need to be seasoned with grace. The way we talk to other people, not talking down to them, not being hurtful toward them, not fancying ourselves as being better than them, thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. That's usually where it's birthed, and that's always the source. When you peel back all the layers, that's what you'll find. At the core of it is pride that says, I'm more important than you. I'm better than you. I'm more spiritual than you. And that's what happens. How about this extending your soul to the hungry and satisfying the afflicted soul? You know, we live in a day, I think you would agree, where so many people are hurting. What are we doing? What are we doing to help them and encourage them and minister to them? Don't think for a second that God's not going to notice that, because if we will do that, then God will hear and answer and respond. If you will do these things, and if you will stop doing those things, then I will, and you can fill in the blank, whole. Listen to verse 11 and 12. This is astounding. The Lord will guide you continually. I'll take it. Where do I sign? And satisfy your soul in drought. I'll take it. Where do I sign? And strengthen your bones. I could use me some of that. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. What? You're going to do that? Yeah, if, then I will guide you. I could use some guidance especially when it comes to those very important decisions in life. God, I need guidance. I need direction here. I need your wisdom from above. How about satisfying your soul in drought? Man, when things are really bad, God always provides. And you're untouched by the drought that comes upon others. This strengthening your bones, man, I tell you, that alone is worth the price of admission, if I can say it like that. Strengthen your bones? How many times do we pray, God, strengthen me? I want to, I will, if you, then I will. Verse 13, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight. Hang on to this, because it'll make sense here in a moment. The holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor Him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, 
nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth, and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. I love that. I love the chapter ending like this. It's like God saying, I said it, that settles it. I think that's what they call a mic drop. (laughs) The Lord has spoken, period. So what's this about now? All of a sudden we go from fasting to the Sabbath. Oh, there's a reason for that. The common denominator between fasting and the Sabbath is that it was the right thing done in the wrong way, with the wrong heart. Oh, they were were still observing the Sabbath. But you hypocrites, apparently you were also seeking out your pleasures on that holy day. And you were dishonoring God. You were doing your own thing. Oh, we're still observing the Sabbath. We're still praying. We're still fasting. In other words, this is more correcting and convicting concerning how their keeping of the Sabbath, which Jesus fulfilled, by the way, was also to no avail, just like their fasting. Your observance of the Sabbath, which Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. By the way, if there's anyone who's interested in knowing, we get at this quite often actually. I think we did a pretty in-depth study on this when we were in Exodus 20, going through the Ten Commandments, and it was the fourth commandment. And we went in-depth into why it is that we do not keep the Jewish Sabbath as New Testament Christians. Now, those who do, we call them Sabbatarians, fine. You know, if they choose to esteem one day over the other, so be it. Don't judge others based on their Sabbaths or festivals or new moon celebrations. But we go in in depth into that. It should be on YouTube and our websites as well. But suffice it to say that they were doing the same thing with the Sabbath as they were doing with their praying and fasting. It was all an outward show. But it didn't match inwardly in their hearts. And this is the rebuke and the correction. And please don't miss this. Do you see a loving Heavenly Father so wanting to bless His people abundantly, but can't? It's not that He won't, it's that He can't. Because as long as they're in violation of these principles, and disobedient (laughs) to the commands of God, God cannot. It's not that he won't. He just can't. He wants to, though. So it's almost like he's saying to us as his people, hey, I'll use myself, J.D., (laughs) I so want to bless you exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything you could ever possibly imagine, think, or even ask. I want to bless you. 
I want to pour, I want to open up the windows of, of heaven and pour out a blessing that is just so much. You won't, you'll tell me, stop. I don't have, I can't take your, stop too much. That's how much he wants to bless us. And he wants us to know, like that sign, this is the way. This is the way. If you, then I can bless you. I so want to bless you. And here you're questioning me, even blaming me as to why it is that your life is in the state that it's in. Have you ever considered, I know this is shocking, have you ever considered that you're the one to blame? And if I can just get you back on track, so to speak, back in sync with me, walking in the Spirit, not fulfilling the lusts of the flesh, then when you fast and pray, whoa, everybody quiet, JD's fasting and praying. No, seriously. It's been affectionately referred to as the heavenly hush. And again, think about it as a parent. When our kids were young, I just, in fact, we have home video. Every once in a while, it's kind of hard sometimes because, oh man, they, they grow up so fast. But when they were young, and we have these home videos of them, and they just were so adorable. And the way they would talk, they just were so, I, sometimes I just wanted to hear their voice. So I would do something to make them talk so I could get, so I could hear their voice, because I just love to hear their voice. I wonder if that's the way the Heavenly Father is with us. He just, want, he, he loves to hear us, hear from us. And He longs to bless us. And never think for a second that God doesn't want to answer our prayers. Are you kidding me? I mean, we as earthly parents know how to give good gifts to our kids when they ask us. We're not going to give them a snake if they ask for a, a fish. I think that's the... Think about that. How, and how much more? You're fallen. You're sinful. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He's not going to withhold anything from you. If it's good, He wants to give it to you. I want to share with you other reasons from Scripture that our prayer and fasting can go unanswered. So this is not exhaustive, and in no particular order, what follows are seven reasons from Scripture that our prayers can go unanswered. And the first one is specific to husbands. This is going to get very uncomfortable, guys. But it has to do with husbands who mistreat their wives. Listen to what the Apostle Peter wrote in his first epistle, chapter 3, verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, dwell in understanding, or as some of your translations render it, be considerate as you live with your wives, and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, not the inferior partner. They're joint heirs. They're weaker physically. They're joint heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. And here's why. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth, 
Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from Isaiah with Pastor J.D., make sure to really think about what you're hearing and what God wants to speak to you today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly to grow in relationship with God and others. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Isaiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages on our website. We encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and In Spirit and Truth. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to In Spirit and Truth. Keeping me right with your wind.